first thing I want to say this morning is thank you to everyone who who came and, and filled in the gaps. I know when uh, the regular folks are missing that usually do things in the church, there's always someone willing to step up and fill in. And so thank you for turning the linens red and for leading the hymns and also playing the piano and, and all of those things that uh, you did. It's just evidence that each of us as a member of the body of Christ is important and there's not one of us um, who isn't missed whenever we can't do what it is we normally do. That being said, I'd just like to offer uh, that during our, our time of intercessory prayer, um, we will lift up Melody and those that are traveling. Uh, it's important that we keep them in our prayers as they uh, are on their journeys. This morning, I want to talk to you about the Holy Spirit because it's Pentecost Sunday. You might recall last week, we discussed the ascension of Jesus in the first chapter of Acts. That Jesus had told the disciples to remain in Jerusalem so that they would receive the promise of the Father. That they would be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then on the Mount of Olives as the disciples stood gazing up into the sky after Jesus had disappeared into the cloud the two angels came and settled by them and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up toward heaven? This Jesus who's been taken up from you into heaven will come again in the same way as you saw him leave. And so they did what they were asked to do. They returned to Jerusalem and they went back to the upper room where they had been staying and they remained there waiting for the fulfillment of the promise that Jesus had spoken of. They waited for the promise of the coming of the Holy Spirit. Which brings the question, have you ever been promised something that you then had to wait for it to come? What do we do when we're waiting for something to come to us that has been promised to us? Do we wait well? Do we wait passively? Do we wait actively? Do we wait constructively? Or do we wait destructively? How do you wait when somebody has promised you something and it takes it a little while to come to fruition? See, it reminds me when before... Angela and I got married. When when I realized that she was the one that God had for me, and she realized what a great catch I was, we sought wise counsel from our senior pastor at the time. And we went through several months of pre-marriage counseling. So that we could be prepared for what was coming next. Not the wedding, but everything that comes after the wedding. And waiting was not easy 
because we both knew what we wanted. We both knew what the goal was. But we also wanted Christ to be at the center of our life together. And so we knew we had to wait on God's timing. We knew we had to do the preparation before the rest of our lives. Now I have to admit that it was both a wonderful time. Gene's shaking his head. He knows. It was both a wonderful time and a difficult time. There were times when I was at peace with this expectation of the fulfillment of the promise. And then there were times where I just plain didn't wait well. And I have to tell you that that it was the times that I focused on the beauty of the promise itself. Not the when it would come to pass. The times when I kept my eyes focused on Jesus and stayed focused on the hope that I have in Him. The times where I stayed close to God through prayer. Those are the times when I could see God at work in my life and in Angela's life. Those were the times when Angela and I became closer in our relationship and our relationship became deeper and more centered on Christ. And when it's all said and done, that is the foundation of a true love and a lasting marriage is how centered is your relationship on Christ? So there was a lot of prayer. There was a lot of preparation. There was a lot of work that went in before Angela and I got married. Now I say all of that because my point is waiting well is waiting actively. Actively praying, actively seeking, discerning God's will and His timing, actively being present in the relationship as it is now and not worrying about what it might be later. Waiting well is waiting constructively, doing things that are positive and purposeful, both for the advancement of your relationship and also for the advancement of the kingdom. It's a time for building up our relationship. It's a time for building your relationship both one to another as Christians, but also one and one with Christ. And so the disciples, as they were in the upper room for those 10 days after the ascension, 50 days since the resurrection, they decided to wait well. Now, if you've seen the disciples' track record, it's really an amazing miracle in and of itself that they chose to do as they were asked. It was Peter and John and James and Andrew and Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, Simon the zealot, Judas son of James, not Judas Iscariot, the one who betrayed Jesus, a different Judas. All these were constantly devoting themselves to prayer together with certain women who were there in their midst, Mary the mother of Jesus. Mary Magdalene, as well as his brothers, Jesus' brothers. And they were in constant prayer as they waited for the Holy Spirit promise to come. Now think about it. Ten days is a long time to wait for something. 
especially if you don't really know exactly what it is you're waiting for. So they were obedient to the scriptures and to prophecy. They dedicated themselves to the mission ahead. They even took time to choose a replacement for Judas. Remember, they were down to 11 and the number of the disciples was supposed to be 12. And so the scripture tells us they proposed to Joseph called Barsabbas, who was also known as Justice, and Matthias. And so they prayed and said, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which one of these two you have chosen to take the place in this ministry and apostleship from which Judas turned aside to go to his own place. That's what the scripture says, his own place. And they cast lots for them. And the lot fell on Matthias, and he was added to the eleven apostles. So the point here is they waited well. They waited actively in prayer. They waited constructively, doing what they knew they had to do for the advancement of the mission and the ministry. They chose Matthias. And so finally, 50 days after the resurrection, 10 days after the ascension, all of that waiting well pays off. It pays off in a big way. And scripture tells us when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them. And a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. See, waiting well had paid off with the coming of the promise. Just as Jesus had spoken it to them, waiting well paid off with the coming of the Holy Spirit upon them and they were literally set ablaze with Holy Spirit fire. So the Feast of Pentecost is a Jewish feast. It was taking place. Now you might say it was by coincidence, but not really, because nothing in God's kingdom is by coincidence. But Jews from every tribe, from every nation had gathered in Jerusalem. And so while the disciples were in the upper room catching fire, the rest of Jerusalem heard this rushing wind and somehow supernaturally heard the speaking in tongues of the disciples, and crowds began to gather around the building where the upper room was situated. Jews from every nation under heaven, there for the feast at Pentecost, and all of them hearing this, and they're amazed and astonished because they heard these disciples, these Galileans, speaking to them in their own native language. Scripture says all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others sneered and said, They're filled with new wine. See, isn't that, isn't that just the way it is? Society reacts whenever the Holy Spirit shows up and something supernatural happens. There's a miracle in our midst. What's the common cultural response prevalent in the world today when God moves as only God can. 
Well, it's the same today as it was back then. The naysayers try to explain it away, mock it, reject it. There really is, as Scripture says, nothing new under the sun. The only thing that's changed is the media we choose to mock it, to reject it, and to explain it away. So, it's here that the people in Jerusalem accuse the disciples of being drunk. And so Peter isn't going to take this accusation sitting down. He's filled with Holy Spirit fire, brand new Holy Spirit fire, and he rises up, empowered by the Holy Spirit, and he begins to preach. And somehow, supernaturally, all of Jerusalem hears him preach. Someday that's going to happen out of this pulpit, I just know it. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them, Scripture says. Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk, as you suppose, for it's only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams even upon my slaves both men and women in those days I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy and I will show portents in the heaven above and signs on the earth below blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Those are lofty words heard supernaturally by all of Jerusalem and now heard by the miracle of the Word of God and its longevity, that it's been here for thousands of years, virtually unchanged except for translation. And so we as the church have waited well. We've received the promise. And so we ask, what comes next? When the promise comes, what happens next? When God moves as God does, when God does what He said He would do, and He's always faithful, what is our response as the church? Our response is that we move also. A response to the fulfillment of the promise, a response to the coming of the Holy Spirit, is that we begin to move with the power and the flow of the Holy Spirit. We don't just sit there when we catch fire of the Holy Spirit. I don't know anyone who catches fire and just sits there. Not physical fire and certainly not Holy Spirit fire. We move, we act, we get up, we get moving. Like Peter, we carry on with the mission and ministry that Jesus left us to do. And 
when we catch fire, then we spread the fire. We set the world ablaze for Christ because that's what we've been commanded to do. We set the world on fire for Christ because we have been sent to do just that. We spread the fire by lighting the fire of the gospel in each and every dormant heart in this community. See, Jesus ascended, remember, so that the Holy Spirit could come. And the Holy Spirit came so that we might have the power to set hearts burning for Christ. The Holy Spirit that dwells in me and dwells in you makes you a fire starter. Are you a fire starter today? Are you spreading the fire of the gospel of Jesus Christ so that the flame of hope is kindled in every single human heart? In every tribe, every nation, starting right here in Shepherd. Why is that important? Well, it's important because just like Peter said, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. People need to know so that they can call on His name. People need to hear the gospel so that they can respond and be saved. As ministers of the faith, it's your calling and my calling to carry that gospel message to the people. It's our mandate to spread the Holy Spirit fire. And so you are fire starters. You're the flame bearers. Apostle Paul reminded us in Romans 10, the same Lord is Lord of all and is generous to all who call on Him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. But how are they to call on one in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in one of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone to proclaim it? And how are they to proclaim him unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And so, it is each of us using our feet to walk into the community, using our lives to walk out our faith in the community, using our example as Holy Spirit fire catchers, to spread this gospel message, to set ablaze the hearts of everyone in this community. When we do that, when we walk out our faith, when we carry the message, Scripture says that our feet are beautiful. Do you have beautiful feet this morning? Do you have beautiful, fire-bearing, Holy Spirit, fire-spreading feet this morning for this community? Are you willing to walk out your lives and your faith into Shepherd today so that everyone else 
catches fire. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. 